sometimes I think about like killing Barney. <laughs> uh, so I'm, have you heard Weird Al's song "The Night Santa Went Crazy"? <laughs> Santa goes freaking nuts, man. <laughs> I guess uh, is that one a is that one a parody or one of the ones he he makes up all on his? That's own? one of his. That's one of his originals. Where do you fall on Weird Al as a cultural <laughs> uh, a cultural phenomenon? Because I no, like I'm not even lying. I feel like there's been a real like reappraisal of him in the last couple of years. I think there needs to be kind of straightforward cheesy parody satire, and I think faulting that kind of stuff for being, I don't know, easy or dumb. It's kind of like very, a small-minded way of looking at it. So I'm glad there's a Weird Al. I yeah. I I think the world I, would be poorer without him. I I generally say like I'm like Weird Al. I'm pretty Weird Al neutral. Like I like yeah. a good number of Weird Al songs. I'll occasionally like you know think to myself like you know what I really want to listen to right now is uh, Amish Paradise. Um, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself a Weird Al fan. Well, yeah, Jesus, no, God, no. Well, no, but but so here's the thing: there are like legions of people who are like hardcore Weird Al fans. There was a, yeah. um, it was either a Post style section or Time style section. Like Washington Post or New York Times style section did a big piece last year about like the Weird Al maniacs and how it's like how there's like a lot of like mainstream celebrities admitting to being big Weird Al fans and like. Weird Al's kind of having like it's cool to like Weird Al now. I'm imagining a big a big Weird Al fan and it's such a redditor type of adult that it's like I don't think I know any of those people. Yeah, you know, I think you're I don't think I right. I don't think I know anyone who owns a Funko Pop. Although oh, I I know I probably do, I, honestly. I, I own I own one Funko Pop. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah, it for that... paid. No, it's okay. I we are definitely not pop people, but <laughs> we have we have we have one of a pork. You just played yourself. Yeah, you know what? I don't I don't have any shame. Porks are cute. Yeah, uh, no, porks are cute. Do you remember that image? That image of the couple that both got Porg leg tattoos before the movie even came out. Uh, yeah, I remember those tattoos. Those were funny. Yeah, what a what a dumb time to be alive. Yeah, but those are probably pretty happy people. All yeah, you all, know, let them good let for them, them. Do what they want. Yeah, uh, let people like things. Let people like Lost. People yeah, like man. us. People like us who do like Lost. I actually have two uh, sort of grand things about Lost I want to talk tonight. Uh, one I'm going to say for the end because it's very funny. Uh, and the other I'm just going to say right now, which is that, like, you just said, you know, let people like things. Lost was a very polarizing show at the time because, like, there was a lot of, like, you know, especially as it went on, people who would say, you know, it's too complicated. The show's so full of itself. Mm-hmm. It uh like it it wants to be it's smarter than it's not as smart as it thinks it is, uh so that's an interesting sort of thing to say. Just like watching it outside of that is kind of nice to be honest. Like watching it now, um, and not yeah. having like the discourse of the show be part of it. Um, the dust has yeah. settled culturally. Yeah, 
Yeah, like everyone knows what they think about Lost. You either love it or you hate it. I still love it. Um, and yeah, we're doing it. So let's let's start the podcast. This is the Lost Me podcast. Um, my name is Ben. That's Spencer. Uh, I have watched Lost many times. He is watching it for the first time, and we talk about it. So tonight, we are doing uh, Exodus parts one, two, and three, the season one finale of. And uh, I want to start by just asking what you thought overall, uh, where you feel like you are with the show, and um, yeah, just sort of your your general thoughts on on the episode, all three parts. What a fun uh, three episodes this was. Uh, Listeners, I am for the first time uh, podcasting from the floor. I ate too many chocolate-covered pretzels because I kind of wanted to get the, like, residual caffeine to get me ready to uh, truly riff uh, to get in the zone for this one. Uh, Yeah, what a great time, you know? Uh, We... We had to get through a good amount of filler this season as, mm-hmm. you know, as with any TV show that has this many episodes a season, uh, all, all to leading to these three episodes where the on Island stuff was all like it all hit hard. It all developed things directly. Uh, you know, the, it wasn't, you know, weird little caper side plots about, uh, like who who poisoned someone this time, uh, yeah. so that ruled. And then uh, a perfect little little side dish to that was uh, all of the airport flashbacks, uh, yeah. which you know did they reveal anything uh, super? Uh, <laughs> I almost said super revelatory. Uh, sure, super <laughs> revelatory about these characters. Absolutely not. Were they what this episode needed? Absolutely. Like just, yeah. just kind of perfect light fan service. And it, it was so rewarding to see at the same time, you know, paired with these uh, big plot developments, the show in perfect awareness and firing on all cylinders of just like, Hey, here are some fun stories with the people, the people you like. And with with yeah. all of these little scenes, it's I don't know if you if you like the characters, they just they just uh, you're so tickled to see them uh, in these in these new new settings, uh, sometimes crossing paths. So it was great. Yeah, um, I wanted to say the one thing sort of about the episode structure that I really loved is that at the end, there's just these three big set piece scenes, and they just give them to you right in a row and they all hit so hard yeah there's there's the scene on the raft there's the scene where they blow the hatch and then there's the scene in the airplane where everybody's getting on the flight and it's just like those three sort of big sequences together really just like a one two three to knock you out with like the best lost has to offer yeah it fucking um, rules. The great season finale. Um, we'll get to the end at the end, but I will say that at the time, there was a lot of people who were really disappointed with the ending of this episode. Mm-hmm. They yeah, didn't want it, it to is, be that cliffhanger. Yeah, the the thought of not 
knowing more about the hatch uh, for however long you had to wait for season two, that would enrage me. Yeah. Yeah. Which which on island uh, plot line do you want to start with? I want to start just at the start with Rousseau uh, wandering out of the woods like Gandalf, you know? Yeah. The others are coming. Here is your quest. Yeah. yeah. Just really kind of directly <laughs> directly setting up exactly what we're dealing with here. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like you said, like this episode is very every plot line is moving forward like major story. And mm-hmm. so I think it's like it's such a strong way to open because it's just like, oh shit. The thing that we've kind of been hinting at maybe being an issue all season is fucking here. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, it, it doesn't end up being here in the way in the way you expect, uh, which I, th- I think they is I think is well pulled off. Uh, Rousseau in this first episode uh, says the security system line about about yes. the monster, which. I did. Uh, I think in an early episode, I mentioned those. It sounded metallic. It sounded uh, <laughs> creaky. So yeah, I, I want to say I I was at least maybe halfway there in my head. Uh, I also I also want to mention something here, sort of going into the the lore of the lost fandom that throughout season two and three, which so you you saw the monster for the first time tonight. You now understand why you might have heard people call it the smoke monster before yeah um which i was telling spencer in our chat that uh all season whenever we've mentioned the monster i've like said to myself before the episode like don't say smoke monster don't say smoke monster (laughs) um because that's what that's what you called it for the majority of of knowing about lost um so one of the like very big theories that people would write these like long blog posts about and send emails to the producers and like big things that would get published like in like magazines was that <laughs> the monster was a cloud of nanobots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not a cloud of nanobots. Damn, that is- man, that was that yeah. was. I thought it was going to be more mystical than that, or at least not so literal. But yeah, I mean, cloud of nanobots is that's what that's what you would guess. That you know that is yeah. Uh, in, in sci-fi mode, if you had to explain exactly what this is right now with the information we have, cloud of nanobots yeah. is what you'd go with. Yeah, well, the, the producers clarified very early on it was not a cloud of nanobots. Very interesting. Man, I yeah, was that just in like a forum post or probably on one of the podcast episodes? Yeah, so it was um I remember very specifically when the uh the producers Damon and Carlton did their uh podcast, they multiple times in their fan mail section would clarify that the uh, the monster was not a cloud of nanobots. <laughs> it, <laughs> That's so it funny. It sort of became it sort of became like a recurring joke with them. Yeah, that, that's great. That uh, you know, not the uh, not the cloud of nanobots. Um, so yeah, yeah. So the smoke monster thing. When you use the phrase smoke monster, I keep. I keep kind of uncovering uh, things I had picked up about Lost but forgotten. Uh, yeah. 
And I definitely, the, the phrase smoke monster definitely rings a bell. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, where was I before we started talking about the smoke monster? Well, if if we're still kind of on the subject of Rousseau, I was just like yeah. talking about her phrase, the security system. Yes, I think that's uh, right. I think this can we just call it this episode? Uh, yeah. Even though it's three parts. Uh, yeah, we can I just think call this, it this episode. This episode really nailed home for me that Rousseau, I think, is the biggest drag of this of this season. <laughs> I really don't like her. Nothing about her okay. works for me. The accent doesn't work for me. I find her kind of shifting, uh, like, ever-shifting disposition and, like, what she wants in any given scene to be kind of annoying. Um, yeah. And that that really hit its apex with the, you know, her stealing the baby uh, <laughs> plot line. Just because, you know, I think I'm not sure if Loss does fathers well, but we, as we've established, Loss has a keen interest in fathers, right? And I think it has yeah. an equal and opposite uh, lack of understanding or nuance about mothers. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, uh, motherhood is so far, it's just kind of, it's kind of a plot device. And in Russo's case, I mean, it just turns her into like, just a mad woman, like almost out of Shakespeare, you know, like a Lady Macbeth or some shit. Uh, yeah. And that's a bummer. I, I don't like her. <laughs> I, I could do without yeah, no, I, I I understand. Like, I don't think they quite knew what they were getting into when they created this character. Yeah. And well, it's, it's I think... a hard character to create, right? Because, like, yeah. you have to write this character that supposedly knows a lot that the writers, the showrunners and writers don't even themselves know yet, right? And so that that's yeah. a hard, I would imagine, a hard line to walk. So I'm not, I'm not... I'm not going to say it was easy to uh, figure out what to do with Rousseau once Rousseau was, was a character. Yeah. So, you know, she's, she's in it and it'll be, it'll be interesting for you to see where she goes. You know, on the subject of, of mothers and on the subject of, you know, my thorns from this episode before we get to my many roses uh, Mm -hmm. is Claire as well. I, like looking yeah. back this season, it feels very clumsy to like kidnap Claire, bring Claire back. Uh, she has amnesia. At the same time, her and Charlie are kind of, you know, their relationship doesn't seem to be developing differently than it might if she didn't have amnesia, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like now we're stealing the baby again, and because <laughs> because we've already you know, gone through this before with losing Claire and getting her back. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, you're tempted to roll your eyes a little bit. It's, uh, that, that is the other, you know, motherhood related, uh, kind of subplot that felt a little clumsy. Of course, you know, it does have, it does have some payoff in this context when you finally learn at the end 
that you were focused on the wrong child. Like that wasn't the one that the others wanted. So, you know, that was interesting. It works in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, on the set, on the Rousseau plotline in general, uh, pretty gnarly scene with, uh, Saeed and Charlie lighting up the, uh, wound. Yeah. It's, uh, Charlie definitely has worse things in store for him physically than a bird <laughs> yeah. to the forehead. Fuck, man. Uh, yeah, more drug plots. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a bummer. <laughs> I, I, I love that little scene where he's just staring down at the heroin. Yeah, yeah. Like I said when yeah. he first found it. Sorry, Charlie. You are fucked here. <laughs> if you yeah. weren't fucked before on this island. You know, of all the things, the island kind of has this, uh, in Dungeons & Dragons, you might call it a bag of holding where you can just pluck out from it whatever you need. You know, a room of requirement, if we're if we're talking yeah. in like modern pop culture terms. It can yeah. pull out tiki torches. It can pull out trebuchet materials, what whatever. Yeah. We need. Uh, the fact that it pulled out heroin, it's just <laughs> like, God damn it, God damn it. Yeah. If we are moving a little bit along in the in the main plot, uh, I like the the Blackrock reveal. Uh, the phrase okay, Blackrock, yeah. we we've heard that before, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's on Rousseau's maps. Yeah, the reveal was fun just because I think uh, I think the show pushes pushes back kind of forcefully against a lot of island media tropes, right? We don't have we don't have natives to contend with. Uh Yeah. And if we found a pirate ship in the let's say the first episode, it wouldn't have like the island as we're coming to understand it like the mystery to me surely involves some kind of like government or international consortium of them uh finding something they can't understand and trying to contain it right it has this it has this kind of like uh like you're uncovering a modern history a little bit uh at, yeah. at least as far as we understand it right and so if you found if you found a pirate ship in the first episode that immediately goes a little too like island media tropey a little too early and it would have it would have yeah. messed up the that that more modern tone so the delay on that and then just like rounding the corner into the cove and finding out blackrock is a fucking pirate ship that that was yeah. that was very uh, well done yeah um there was one other thing I wanted to say, um, and I kind of like going a little scattershot here, actually, too. But there was one other thing I wanted to say about the Charlie and Saeed chasing down Rousseau scene okay. uh, sequence, I should say, which is that it was I liked that they worked it into the plot that Charlie couldn't keep up with Saeed because when they first took off running, I forgot that the, I forgot about this. And I thought to myself, like, they're not going to actually make, want us to believe that, like, recently recently cleaned junkie Charlie Pace can keep, a, keep up with super soldier Saeed. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you? And when they worked that in, I liked that that was an actual plot point that, like, Saeed had to slow down to accommodate Charlie. 
Yeah, yeah, they it's embodied in the action. That's good. They get to to Rousseau at the Black Smoke. She's trying to trade the boy. Um, and we get what you were saying to me before that you're pathetic line. <laughs> this is very fun from Charlie. Um, yeah. and and also just I I think that scene sort of encompasses why I think Rousseau doesn't work for you. Just that, like, very overacting. They said they were coming for the boy. Yeah, yes. That That is, yeah, that's kind of a perfect embodiment right there. Yeah, so, uh, although I, I still like Rousseau, and some of that is nostalgia for remembering how wild it felt to, like, be wondering about her when I was watching it for the first time, I kind of see your point that she is a pretty poorly executed character. Um, but, uh, you know, on, on something I completely underestimated that raft boy, yeah. I, I really, I really didn't think they'd go this far with it, but, but sh- they yeah. surely did. I, I should yeah. have expected more of Michael apparently. Couple, couple things about that. Number one, it's a completely ridiculous idea that this guy who like worked construction on land knows how to build a <laughs> boat. Like, naval engineering is not the same thing as working construction. Like, it's ridiculous. There's no chance. Like, we, that's something we just have to accept. Sure. That, that I'm we're going to accept le- it. We're going we're gonna to let him do it. It's fine. Uh, um, so, yeah, we, 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 they're setting off on the raft because, at least according to uh, high school teacher, what's his name? Arst. Ar- Ar- Arst? Arst. Yeah. Arst recently uh, promoted from the red shirts, uh, or I guess it's clear that he, he kind of still is one. Uh, yeah. As, as listener, you, you know by now. Um, you know, monsoon season is coming. If you have a chance of getting out of here, you have to do it now. Uh, so we kind of force the... Uh, Raft scene and or, or the raft kind of launch and through it we get that very touching uh, Sawyer and and Jack uh, moment where Sawyer the reveals bro. oh oh that one yeah yeah where so- Sawyer reveals uh, his encounter with Jack's dad and it's you know a, a maybe the first case or at least the first notable one of Sawyer uh, not using something he knows to kind of manipulate someone. Uh, it's very touching. I, I was a little moved by it. I, I, I yeah. have to admit. Yeah. After Sawyer was in like full on asshole mode in the last episode. Yeah. Um, him sort of going back to, uh, you know, sort of nice guy. Sawyer was, uh, was fun. And, Nice. I, Josh Holloway is a good actor. Like he, he, he delivers that little monologue really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see more, more turns, more development from him as we go on. Uh, if yeah. he makes it back on land. Um, yeah. Any, anything more you want to say about these, these kind of initial uh, plot setting scenes? Um, yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to mention was I there's a big uh sort of nerd reference in here. Did you happen to catch the Star Wars reference 
two Star Wars references in this episode. No. I, at okay. least I don't recall. The first one is when they're putting together the raft. Michael goes over to Jin and he goes, no, no, this one goes here. That one goes there. Which is exactly something that Han says to Chewie when they're trying to get the Falcon <laughs> off okay. of uh, out, out of the port. And then also, to make that reference, to smack you in the face with it, uh, Sawyer calls Michael Han at some point. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, do, I do remember that reference. Man, I, I was thinking back. Uh, we we kind of didn't mention one of uh, kind of the one of Sawyer's more cutting uh, moments in in recent Sawyer history when he is just glowering at Jin last episode and just calls him boy with such like hey, we venom. Did miss that. Yeah, that was just like yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's cool that they're willing to uh, to make him not just pull out some 70s reference, but just get like racist and just like abjectly fucked up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that they're 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 willing to go there with him. Yeah. But they, it is interesting. They're they're willing to let him call Jin boy. They were not willing to let him call Michael boy. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can call the Korean guy boy. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be uh, okay with that. <laughs> look, look, they they bond over they bond over Bob Marley. Who doesn't like Bob yeah. Marley? Um, yeah, that's actually interesting. Have you watched um? Have you watched uh, any of The Walking Dead? No. So I watched like three or four seasons. Um, it, it got really bad really quickly, but I really loved the first episode. And so I wanted to, I kept wanting to give it a chance. Yeah. Um, but there is a character in that who in the first episode calls somebody the N word. And then your hero, Rick Grimes doesn't tell him, stop being racist. He says, there's no N words now. There's only us and the dead. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. <laughs> so, it's a pretty funny sort of difference of like how far they're willing to go on an AMC show in or is Walking Dead on AMC. I think so. I think so. Yeah, an AMC show in 2010 versus a. ABC show in 2004. Man, I lo you love to see someone uh, set up with, you know, such a slam dunk and just whiff it. Like, you know, John, <laughs> McCa John McCain being like, not saying he's not a terrorist, but saying he's a good man. Or what does he yeah. say about, about Barack so, Obama? So what that one was, which, you know, the libs love this moment. The, yeah. libs, the libs love to point to this as a time when, you know, politics had civility and we had respect for each other. Yeah. Is that a woman said to McCain in a town hall, I don't like Obama. He's a Muslim. He's an Arab. And then McCain said, no, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a family man. He, he is a family yeah. man about whom, with whom I happen to have some profound disagreements about politics. <laughs> um, but... Uh, then he goes, you know, no, no ma'am, no ma'am. But uh, so that moment is held up by like, oh, John McCain had honor. And it's like, no, 
he didn't have honor. He said he's not a Muslim. He's a family yeah. man. <laughs> yes. The opposite. He's, not, he's the opposite of a family man, of a Muslim. He is a family man. A very anyway. funny, very funny moment to me. Um, so they launched the raft after, you know, they repair the mast and all that. Um, and we get one of my favorite lost moments ever, which is first Walt giving Vincent to Shannon and then Vincent swimming out to sea to try to go with Walt on the raft. Just, just fucking great. I don't care if it's cheesy. I love a good dog storyline. He's a heckin' he's a he's a heckin' woofer. He's a he's a good boy. He's a he's a heckin' chonker and I love him. Um so let's talk then about um sort of the action as we get to the Black Rock. Um so first off, there is no reason why Hurley's going. Okay? <laughs> There's no reason for Hurley to be there. They don't explain it. There's nothing. There's. They don't even try. They just want him to be there because he needs to be at the hatch to see the numbers. Yeah. Um, well, I. I think. I think Hurley. Uh, I think there's a bit of narrative heavy lifting to get us to follow the logic of. Uh, it's like okay, the others are coming. What are we gonna do? Well. Uh, we don't know what's in the hatch, and we aren't sure we can even get in it. Uh, <laughs> and even if we did get in it, surely they would hear the explosion and with their greater <laughs> knowledge of the island, be able to find this fucking crater in the ground and uh, kill us down there. You know, right? So th- there's a there's a, a lot of kind of like logical heavy lifting that you that you need to do to get the audience to kind of buy this effort on the part of the of the uh you know this quadrant of the island dads and yeah i think i think uh i think hurley is there in the early scenes to be like i think he asks some specific questions like is this gonna work like i don't know uh so you know maybe maybe he's there as a bit of a comfort to uh it's like yes readers you're or yes yes viewers your surrogate is there to also kind of like uh think this is a little bit silly uh i guess he's also he's also there to have that fun uh kind of meta conversation about uh about i know i know what a click looks like from the high school teacher yeah from arst uh which yeah, it's a it's a very if it wasn't coming from him, uh, that that kind of comment would definitely be coming from Hurley. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, on the way to the Black Rock, we have the fun moment where Rousseau stops and says, "This is where it all happened, where Montauk lost his arm." <laughs> and um, very, I love that line. Like when I was when I was watching this as a teenager, it was like. Holy shit! Who is Montan? What happened to his arm? Like, it was it was like one of my favorite little mysteries of the show. Um, oh, I I don't even remember that. I I must have missed. That. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So okay. They, where they well, okay. So they pause, and she says, "We're entering the dark territory where Montan lost his arm." And then Arst says he's gonna go back, and 
Jack says, you said you wanted to help. And Arsene says, well, yeah, that was before Montauk lost his freaking arm. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, so I love that. Um, and it does get addressed later in the show. Um, okay. So that's one you can look forward to. Um, yeah, so we get that. And Arsene eventually, though, comes back. He's being chased by the monster. Uh, this time we don't. Well, do you do you see it a little bit here, or is that I don't think so. See it for the first time, yeah, I don't no. think you see it. If we're if we're basically on like the first episode, maybe the first half half of the second right now, they end up hiding from it. Though that's where you get the security system line. Uh, that's when they end up at the Black Rock. There's not not too much happens in that chase scene. They just sort of both hide in the thickets. Uh, do you remember how you felt when you when you saw? When you saw uh, Arts Arst uh, <laughs> just blow up into a million pieces as a lad, <laughs> so I don't necessarily remember my reaction, but I will tell you a story that Paige, my wife, um, watched it a little bit later than me, and she was watching it on DVD, and she told me she was about to watch the first episode. Uh, or she was about to watch the last episode, the season finale, and I said, okay, call me afterwards. And she called, she was watching it with her mom, and she called me, and she was just laughing hysterically. She just said, he exploded. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the background, I heard her mom say, I knew he wasn't going to make it back from this field trip. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. That's great. It, it's um, it's such a funny moment. It's such a it's such a good relief of tension. Uh, yeah, you know, l- like I was saying, how the how there's so much just like frivolous, like kind of like light fun with the past flashbacks all through Exodus, uh, and to have that there just to kind of relieve tension and uh, have a, have that comedic moment is great. Uh, and also, if I think this feels like the first clear instance of uh, Hurley's supposed uh, curse, like yeah. active on the island as opposed to in his life before it. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty great thing. I I love it. I love that scene. I love how out of nowhere it is. Um, I love how like. It's it's a build up of tension and release of it also just with the character of Arse because he's just so annoying. Yeah, and like yes. every scene you're like, God, what is this fucking guy doing here? I don't want to talk to him. I want yeah. to talk to my I want to talk to my heroes, um, and they literally just explode him. Yeah, uh, I, I guess if someone if someone is going to kind of like uh, jokingly nudge at the structure of the show, like, what's with you guys? You think you're more important than us? It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of perfect to blow him up, uh, one <laughs> yeah. scene later. I was, yeah. uh, those, those scenes with the dynamite handling and, and Locke kind of, uh, making those operation <laughs> jokes. Those were very tense for me. Uh, yeah, they're good. It's just, yeah, I was biting my nails, which like, it's it's pretty crazy that they managed to it's a testament to how good they are when they're at their best the lost people that they made those scenes tense despite the fact that like you know they're not going to explode jack and lock like yeah, no you know that's <laughs> not going to happen that's yeah. not how the show's going to go like w- is it possible that both those characters will die someday absolutely any character can die in lost but yeah. are they going to kill them by just exploding them <laughs> no, they are not. 
Michael and Jin or Michael and Sawyer bonding over uh, Bob Marley. Very fun. Uh, I don't really buy that Sawyer listens to Bob Marley. Oh, I don't know. Sawyer, Sawyer like rolls through, rolls through culture and just kind of like picks up, picks up everything on the way. No, you're right. You're right. He has baby Huey. He has everything. Yeah. Like what, 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 what does he actually dislike? You know? He'll watch whatever's yeah, that's on. True. He's not yeah. going to change no, the radio good, station. That's a good point. He's a big VH1 fan, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> he he loves I love the 70s. But this is this is a nice this is a nice little crew. It's so it's so hopeful them setting out um it feels like by the end of this little plot line, it's it's almost like the raft the raft plot line was here to completely foreclose and cut off the possibility of them escaping. It's like they're, yeah. they're probably not going to try and do that again, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like uh, no audience, focus focus your emotional investment inward as the character, I, I mean, island word as the characters will necessarily have to after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopeful initial scenes on the raft, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Le- leaving aside that little intrigue with uh, with Michael finding out Sawyer has the gun. Yeah, nothing, nothing too much there. Uh, mm-hmm. I did like that line. You don't want to get burned. Uh, in re- what does he say that in response to? Michael Michael gives Sawyer his shirt back with the gun, and he goes, "You want to put this on? You don't want to get burned." Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Uh. That's fun. Uh, nice stuff with sort with uh, Michael and Walt. You know, uh, doing the uh, you know bonding over that they're in each other's lives now. That's nice. Before Walt gets fucking marked. <laughs> not not marked. Well, taken. Yeah, I, I, not marked at least yet. Yeah, Walt's been taken. <laughs> Sawyer has a very spe- spe- specific set of references. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that pretty much takes care of that little, you know, little fun scene where Sawyer has to go get the rudder. I love, I love seeing Josh Holloway swimming jeans. Yeah, I was gonna say that I think that's got to be like jeans swimming uh, number three <laughs> for him. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, just, I think. I I will say this, like, doing what they're portraying Sawyer to have done is a tremendous act of both aerobic and anaerobic exercise. And I'm not entirely sure I buy that even Sawyer can do that. Yeah. He's in good shape, but he's not like an athlete. Yeah. And audience, you're, you're hearing this from an Eagle scout. So yeah, I, you know, and I, you know, I would fucking drown. Somehow. If I, if I was on the Island, I'd find a way to drown for sure. Um, but yeah, he does it. He looks damn good doing it. Josh Holloway. Get you know they give him they yeah. give him some shirt they give him some shirt off time. You know a little fan little fan service there. I love it. Um, Sawyer yeah. every day and every day and every week. Yeah. So now let's do the flashback scenes. Um, we start with Walt. He's watching Power Rangers at five mm-hmm. in the morning. Doing what you do. Uh, I looked it up. It's Power Rangers SPD. 
you know, I watched these episodes a few days ago, and I I got on the Wikipedia just to refresh every plot point, and I I love how specific it was that uh, Walt is seen playing his uh, Game Boy Advanced SP. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which you know goes. Uh, those are the kind of people that are creating these Wikipedia pages. It's not just Walt is well, playing his Game Boy. No, that actually brings up an interesting point, which is I read on the Lostpedia pages for these. I go every episode and I look for any interesting like uh, goofs or anything. Uh-huh. And there is a slight goof here because. Okay. The Game Boy Advance SP was the first one that had was had a rechargeable battery built in, so he shouldn't have had to go to Michael and said, "I need new batteries." Oh, they goofed. <laughs> they done That's great. goofed. They done goofed. You can't. You can't. You can't goof about uh, video <laughs> games and expect us not to catch that. There's this. Yeah. If you one day watch The Sopranos, there's this wonderful scene where Tony is playing Mario Kart with his son and just holding, like, holding the N64 controller just in a way that would not apply <laughs> at all. Uh, which, which is great. That's very funny. Um... Uh, but yeah, Walt. Walt hardly looks up from his from his programs and his distractions and all these. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so but in the first one, Walt storms out with Vincent. Not sure what he's thinking he's going to do. Uh, and I don't know. If I was that guy, I might have called the cops. Like, I think that like nine times out of ten, if someone asks himself, should I call the cops? The answer is no. And both on like a practical level and a political level. But also, like one of the few times I think it's pretty justified is like, you think a kid's getting hurt? Yeah, but then again, you know, like, you're not my dad. That's kind of like, that's almost yeah, like the, the most common thing to throw at your 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 father figure in that moment, you know? Not my real dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, so yeah, so then the next one is Jack. And he is drinking. At the bar. Yeah, and, and who sidles up but someone who will definitely appear on the island later <laughs> when we yeah. reconnect with the back of the plane. I was just like, yeah. as soon as she mentioned she was getting on, I was like, ooh, this is not just any airport thoughty. Yeah. She's yeah. she's going to make an appearance. That'll be fun. Played by Michelle Rodriguez from the Fast and the Furious series. Oh, yeah. Um... And, uh, you know, a little flirting. I don't, why did she keep licking her thumb? Like, is that a thing that people do when they drink tequila? Uh, I lick my entire palm just over and over again when I'm flirting with someone at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) To signal alpha posture. Uh, I don't know why, I don't know why she's doing that. But yeah, she's, she's, she's laying it on, she's laying it on pretty thick. Yep. That yeah, I guess uh, another love triangle forms down the line. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. So Anna Lucia, you, you're calling it right. You will be seeing more of her, and she's an interesting character. Um, she is part of something that is in season two that we're gonna have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how certain characters are portrayed on this show, but she's a fun one. So uh, look forward to seeing more of her. All right. Um, 
Sawyer's flashback is just him getting reamed out by a cop and uh get the fun line where he says he headbutted me. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love the I love the mild dig at Australia that you could like you could get in a bar fight with anyone and there's a pretty good chance it's <laughs> like the minister of something. Yeah. Uh, which that, that that that's a fun little fun little joke. Yeah. Uh yeah, again, like you said, like not much really to plot here, but fun little scene with Sawyer. Yeah. The Kate the Kate stuff is heavier. Kate stuff's a little heavier. Yeah. Does he uh, does does Kate's uh handler in that moment, does he reveal that he planted the the plane knowing she would go for it and that's how she was caught? Is that what was implied? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Just just making sure. No. Um because otherwise they would have like been there to catch her. Uh now you know why I need five guns. Because yeah. I practice gun kata. Because yeah. I was because I was never taught how to reload. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I somehow think that in the midst of being attacked by this woman, I'm going to be able to take out my second gun and my third gun. Because I'm ambidextrous and I have monkey feet and I like to <laughs> j- juggle dangerously. Uh, that's called being that's called being petty dexterous. No, <laughs> I like to train my I like to train myself to be petty dexterous. I try to pick up things with my feet whenever I can. Yeah, I guess I guess ba- babies kind of have that have that re- yeah. reaction too. Try and grab stuff. Yeah. Um, who else we got? Um, Shannon, uh, we get to see Boone again, which is fun. Um, and she is a dick and turns in Saeed. Yeah, there we go. That, I guess that is your, you know, we, we can imagine that if it weren't for, uh, what's the actor who plays Saeed's name? Naveen Andrews. Yeah, if it weren't for Naveen Andrews' insistence in the foregrounding of, as he called it, like the cheerleader, uh, yeah, ending up with the terrorist, uh, you can imagine that 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 uh, that scene might not have been there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that that was a that was a fun inclusion. Yeah, fun little you know very nine eleven moment. Um, Boone like, soon yeah. soon to be replaced by a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good shit. So, um, sorry, bud. Speaking of which, I I read in the uh, trivia for this episode that apparently they were originally going to put in a short flashback for Vincent at the airport. Oh shit! <laughs> but they cut oh, it because man. they they couldn't they, they didn't even film it. They just like they cut it from the script for for time because they knew they needed to cut and it was a completely it was just a joke scene. So yeah. In the back of my mind, I've been I've been hoping and praying for a Vincent flashback. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't respond. I'm gonna keep hoping that one day. Okay. One day um, we'll get it. Okay. So, uh, that's pretty much it with Shannon. But yeah, Boone. Um, get to see him again. It's nice. Uh, I like I like seeing his face. Yeah. Um, uh, Charlie's being a fuck up in ways we recognize and have seen before. Uh, yeah. This time, uh, just kind of like 
pretty much the most caddish scummy thing you could imagine, which is like getting in uh, a scuff with uh, with someone uh, <laughs> who, you know, you betted just the night before uh, trying to hide <laughs> yeah. drugs from them. Uh, who, Jesus. who also who also tricked you into sleeping with her and giving you her her your drugs. By saying she was a fan of your band that you know no longer exists. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, yeah, like I've said before, I, I, I love, I love the depths of Charlie's loserdom. Like that, you know, we are not catching him during Drive Shaft's small window <laughs> of fame. He is, yeah, he is by now a complete has been. Yeah. No, it rules. It, it rules the depths to which they're willing to put Charlie. Like. I'm not going to say there's no low they're going to go because they're never going to actually have him do anything evil. But like, yeah. there's no humiliation they won't subject him to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we we also have uh, Hurley's, Hurley's scenes. Oh, the Hurley stuff. Well, I have one more thing to say about the Charlie scene, which yeah. is I love that, like, I know that hair, I, I've never used opiates, so I don't know a thing about opiate addiction, but I do feel like Charlie made a lot of stupid choices in that, like, he could have literally just walked out as soon as he found the drugs. Like, he didn't need to keep going back and trying to hide them while actively pulling them out. Yeah. Very funny to me just how stupid Charlie is also. Like like we know, he kind of likes getting caught. Yeah, that's true. The, the evidence continues to mount. Yeah. Um... So, uh, Hurley, best, best flashback of the night by far. I, <laughs> I fucking love the physical comedy. <laughs> Jorge Garcia is so good. The score to this episode, that like bouncing violin score. Yeah. Is so fucking great. No, I love every moment of it. I love the little Charlie scene in the elevator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, did you notice? Okay. Here's the thing. Did you notice the numbers in the airport? No, uh, were they were they on like the outgoing flights or something? No, they were on the jerseys of the soccer players that he passed. Fuck, that's great. <laughs> that it was the full the full numbers. I think it was all six of them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's fun. It's uh, are we to take it or I I, I guess you know you probably can't answer this uh, straightforwardly because you know you could probably argue either way, but it's like. You know, one wonders is him actually making the flight, you know, seemingly miraculously. He thinks that's his lucky moment when that, you know, is in fact cosmically the uh, biggest, like, cursed, like, pratfall uh, of this sequence is him actually making the plane. I think that it's a mix of things. I think that what it is is that. First off, Hurley, bad things don't actually normally happen to Hurley. They happen yeah. to people around Hurley, but good things keep happening to Hurley. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone around him is miserable because of him. So what I take it to be is that all those things that seemed like bad luck were actually good luck, but he was so determined to overcome it that even his good luck couldn't stop him from getting on the plane. Ah, interesting. That's how I always read it. That's good. Well, it's also, you know, I mean, leaving aside, leaving aside how exactly his curse functions. I mean, uh, it seems once, 
once he bet on the numbers, uh, the the pull of him to the island seems inexorable. I mean, yeah, seems that that that's kind of set in stone at that point. Yeah. Um. So, but I I love I love all this, and like I I did think about like would we be would they be able to make this today? Where like so much of the comedy is just this enormous dude, yeah, like trying to trying to get through the airport and. I don't care. It's it's so good. Yeah. Jorge Garcia is so in on the joke that I I, I think it fucking works. Uh, let's do real quick uh, the sort of overlapping ones with Sun and Jin. Um, there's Sun is where that like you know American like trash woman behind her is like <laughs> it's like it's like memoirs of a freaking geisha. Yeah, oh, I love I love that shit. It's just like hardly even applies. Like you you could just insert yeah. any like Asian reference. It's like, oh, honey, look, it's the fucking Joy Luck Club. <laughs> like, yeah. look, look, like that's Bruce Lee. Yeah, look, it's <laughs> look, it's Amy Tan. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> I wonder if she's here with the uh... fuck. What is that band that Amy Tan and Stephen King played in? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that okay. one. <laughs> there was like a, a rock band made up of writers. Um, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's uh, the worst music of all time. I can't remember. I'm going to look it up real quick because it's going to drive me crazy. Okay. Dear listener, if you're listening to this, I'm looking up Stephen King band. The Rock Bottom Remainders. Ugh. It was... Uh, Ugh. Stephen King, Dave Barry, Amy Tan, uh, Barbara Kingsolver, Scott Turo, and Matt Groening. You must never listen to this. <laughs> you, you should destroy it. It, yeah, will be a, it. it will be a white elephant with you yeah. always. Yeah, I it's think, pretty I, dark. I think you should destroy it. I've listened to like a couple of songs. It's pretty awful. Um, what else we got? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that was a funny scene. Uh, we, you know, eventually get that confrontation with the, with the gringo in the bathroom that, uh, yep. actually, Korean. yeah, yeah, is, is here to enforce. We know you're trying to leave, do, do the job, deliver the watch. Uh, yeah, something yeah. like that. Got to deliver that watch. Got to deliver the watch. Um, that one's fun. Uh, Michael, you know, we sort of talked about this with, with Charlie, with Walt too, but Michael, uh, wants his mom to take Walt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he sees Locke in a wheelchair. It's, uh, man, this, this scene, this scene, I had a bit of a chuckle because it's like, uh, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're thinking of, uh, Michael and Walt in the most base of like American associations, it's uh, you know, it's like black single father. I bet you didn't see yeah. that coming, viewer. Yeah. And so in this scene, it's just like, nope, they don't even let him have that, right? He's just yeah, he's tr- trying trying to get out of it. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's it's humanizing. It's it's um, uh, in a way, it's it's humanizing to to see him reject this and not immediately rise to it you know yeah um and then the last one is locks which is 
very sad. He's like clearly like a just defeated man as he's getting on that plane. Yeah, yeah. Um and I wanted to mention something here that may sound kind of nitpicky, but I just wanted to, to mention it because it came to mind. There's a lot of portrayal in loss for Locke, and it's happens it it will happen again, but it's happened a lot so far where like losing his legs again is presented as like the ultimate penalty. Yeah. And I just thought it was very interesting to think about like that like use of like disability as like a punishment and sort of like how that would play if it was put on a Netflix show today. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. I don't find it offensive in any way. I just uh I I wonder what that looks like through a prism where we we talk about disabilities differently. Um, yeah, yeah. Now than we used to. That's that's my my sort of Little, little serious moment for the night, but um, sure, yeah, it's a, it does a good job of like you know really showing that Locke feels like he's just been completely robbed of all of his dignity. Yeah, um, and no, it's a it's a very sort of it's a it's a good one. Um, and and, and then, I guess I guess it's worth remembering with him too that like uh you know he hasn't he hasn't dealt with him this his entire life. So yeah, you know, one one could imagine that he he still feels that as a loss of dignity uh, in, a, yeah, in, a key, in a keener way than he might otherwise. What were you, yeah, what yeah. were you going to say? I was gonna, I'm just going to say also, like, especially remember that this is, you know, right after being told he can't go on his walkabout. Yeah, yeah. Like, he'd already been robbed of his dignity, and now this is just, like, you know, going one step further and saying, we literally have to carry you on the plane. Like, that's that's where you're at. It's, it's, it's effective. Even if, you know, looking back it, it looks a little weird. I guess you and I aren't too far from a midlife crisis walkabout. That's true. We can do it. Let's do it together, man. Let's go yeah, let's, on. Let's do it. Go on a let's fucking po- walkabout. Let's pod from the, from the, uh, from the bush. Pod from um, the bush. <laughs> I guess, I guess we're back. We're back to Island stuff. Is is there anyone we missed? Uh, well, there's just the the last one on the plane where they're all getting in. Yeah. Um, some little stuff. Uh, Hurley smiles at Walt, um, which is fun. Uh, Boone pulls out Shannon's asthma inhaler, which is a fun little uh, callback to that little subplot. Yeah. Uh, Arst helps Claire put her uh, her bag up. Um, and yeah, and they're all getting on the plane, which actually brings me to one other thing though, that we forgot, which is in Hurley's flashback where they're in the security line and we get arsed going now, now you take out the laptop. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I love that guy, Daniel Roebuck. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's fun in every scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now we're back to on Island stuff, um, or technically slightly off Island stuff. The smoke monster. We see the it. The smoke monster. <laughs> and uh, you know, you have to you have to pull you have to pull uh Locke away from from heading into the light or the or the dark in this case. He the Going death drive Yeah, the death drive is strong is strong with Locke. Uh he's not afraid uh yeah. to be taken down. Uh yeah. Bad, bad CGI does not hold up. Yeah. Does not hold up. The CGI is no good. 
Um, Some Alex Mack shit. Yeah, I'll say, so I think I will say this to you in the chat. Uh, The Smoke Monster remains a very good sort of like character, if you will, um, in the show. And if I recall correctly, the CGI does get better. Nice. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I think it gets better. Yeah. Um, um, not not such a surprise though, because yeah, li- like I've said before, you you get the sense the only really embodied moment where you felt like oh this thing has claws and teeth was when is it the pilot that gets in the yeah. like the very first episode. Um, yeah, where he he bites he rips the pilot from the hat from the cockpit. Yeah, that that that's about as you know that's about as embodied as it gets. So in a way, not so surprising when you see it. Uh, yeah, but he's yeah. dragon lock. He's dragon lock, and uh, that he ends up going. He's being pulled down the hole, but Kate goes back, gets the dynamite from Jack's pack, throws it down the hole, and the smoke monster runs away. Um, I will say that I love the way that this scene is shot, the way it's lit. It's very bright and sort of washed out, and it, it really adds to the tension for me. Like, it's very sort of horror, um, horror-like to me. I really fucking dug it. Yeah, and, you know, Lot, Lot gets kind of dragged, dragged quite yeah. a long way. Uh, it's, just and... like a, it's just like a little mini creature feature. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really love that scene. Um, what what's up next is, is up next the uh, the encounter with the others as far as uh, the kind of set piece scenes. Let's yeah, let's do the encounter with the others. So they're on the raft. Walt is asleep. He's just snoozing away, and then we get the old bleep bloops going. <laughs> <laughs> As they say in the know. <laughs> As they say in the, the know. So, uh, little confrontation about whether or not to shoot the flare. Uh, and eventually they do, though. And up comes uh, the others. But what did you think? Did you think that this was going to be a real rescue? Or did you immediately think, like, something's going on? Oh, there's no way this is going to be a real rescue. Yeah, I should okay. say, I mean, I... I assumed we might lose someone. I knew it wasn't going to be Sawyer. I mean, they're not going to mm-hmm. take Sawyer away from us this early, right? So I yeah. knew the I knew the effort wasn't going to uh, be fruitful. Uh, I didn't expect this. I don't know what I expected. Maybe just uh, I don't know them getting like them reaching land and it's just the island again. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's uh it's it's weirdly uh it's weirdly anticlimactic maybe not in a bad way to just see that the others are just like scrubby looking fucking dudes uh in the yeah. same way that that Mopather is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love I love the shot of just like uh Sawyer when it's first clear that this isn't a friendly encounter. Just like, just like glaring at them with his yeah. head kind of down, just like a dog. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's great. So we're going, so we're full, going full like hillbilly drunk in a bar mode. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's see. It's not. Besides Walt getting taken, we don't we don't see anyone like get shot or anything, right? Like as far as uh, we know, they have Walt, and we saw people so fall I, in the water. I will say this: if you go back and watch it, you'll see Sawyer does get hit. Okay, all right. Um, and I I also know that having watched the next season and know you yeah. know what plays out, but I, if you go back and watch it, like I'm not this isn't a spoiler because it's in the yeah, show. Yeah. Sawyer does get hit. Um, but what was I going to say? Taking Walt this early is interesting. I almost just, just as like, I, I want to know kind of viscerally in the, in the way that, you know, you do as a viewer with this kind of show. I, I wish, I wish I knew more about the extent of what makes Walt special. Uh, I wish I had seen it, seen it more in action aside from the, you know, the bird hitting hitting the window you know um yeah so i hope i hope to find more uh i suppose yeah i suppose uh they were they were after they were after him the whole time and wanted to grab him on the raft and knew about the whole leaving the island attempt uh yeah yeah. uh do you have any associations with uh MC Ganey, the actor who plays the other that talks on on the boat. I thought I recognized him vaguely. So he's been in a ton of stuff. Have you watched Justified? No. Okay, he's in that. He always plays, you know, as the same sort of character. Um, and he's, you know, a very good character actor. He also has a memorable turn in the first Mighty Ducks movie, if I, okay. if I may say. Yeah. Um, but for me, he's always this guy on the boat who, um, fun fact, and I, this is also not a spoiler because it was revealed more or less at the time, that in the script, his name is Mr. Friendly. Mr. Friendly. <laughs> yeah. You ever go to Friendly's? Oh, yeah, man. I fucking love Friendly's. Apparently, they're Friendly's like... Friendly's mo- fucking most of, them, most of them are closing. But yeah, did not, you know, I didn't expect it to go this way, but I certainly didn't expect them to make it off the island. Hell no. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where we're out on the raft. Michael is screaming Walt in the water. That would go out. That's sort of an iconic, like, meme moment. It's just Walt. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's what happens there. Um, on the island, uh, first we get the approach to the hatch um, where they're sort of talking. And here's where we get the moment where I, I don't know if you remember this, but earlier this season, when we sort of first had Locke and Jack sort of crossing paths, you said it's sort of like Locke is a man of faith and Jack is a man of reason. And I was so mad that you didn't say, uh, faith and science because I was like, oh, he's almost got it. But you were fucking, you fucking nailed it, man. Well, you honestly, it, it, it's like, it. well, I, you shouldn't give me too much credit. I mean, that's, that's just going back to, I don't know, the old, like, like English 101 toolkit of like, no, I, you know, I, I know, drawing but like, dichotomies, but. Yeah, it, I know, but it like, was to get that and know the exact like because it is a complete trope. 
but to nail yeah. the exact trope that we're going to go for is pretty fucking pretty fucking solid work. Well, thank you, thank you. I mean, it just seemed it seemed clear enough that they were the two power centers, and it's interesting, you know, it's like in in a show in Lost on a different network, in Lost on HBO or some shit, they probably wouldn't have to say that explicitly. Just like uh, Sun probably wouldn't have to say, "Why are we here? Is it because we're cursed?" Right? Uh, yeah. But it's fine. Lay it all out there, you know. Set up, set up our dichotomies. We'll go. We'll we'll go from there, and we know what to expect. You know, uh, it's yeah. it's fun to get that. I think we're gonna have a lock problem because. Uh, well, it is yeah. also very. It feels very Stephen King to me, right? Like, like Stephen King, subtle he is not, and like yeah, it's like putting it right out there. Like this is a fucking war between light and black, and you know, faith and reason and all that to just like sort of say that is, is very sort of, I think you're right. Like maybe not as artistic as uh, it might be if it was made, you know, on HBO or Hulu yeah. or something, but it is very sort of just bold to just say plainly, like we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're telling the best version of this story. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just kind of stating our, you know, we're stating our aims kind of, uh, yeah. no, it's, I, I it's, it's it. cool. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it too. It's, uh, in some ways, Jack isn't really, Jack isn't really a good, uh, given how emotional, uh, he, he is, he's, he's not exactly exactly right. Yeah. The best avatar of reason, but, uh, you know, maybe that, maybe there's, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something more to read into, uh, what they mean there. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like put, I don't want to put too much like intent into the into the creators' minds, but like it feels like it could be a commentary on that like faith when you have faith, like it grounds everything for you, whereas where you have science, like you still it still leaves you very uh not necessarily on solid ground emotionally. Yeah. Um so I yeah, think, yeah. I think you know, that that could be something there. Um to that the writers sort of favor faith in some ways as like a more like a higher state of being i don't know um i i certainly didn't expect that uh the opening of the hatch would come to be this kind of apocalyptic thing that yeah you know everyone it's almost like it's kind of fun because uh you know up until this point you would think the plane crash is the awful event that set things in motion for these people. Uh, the plane crash was the thing. And it seems like, you know, this was, I, I mean, who knows how it'll play out. I mean, I guess you know, but I don't. Uh, yeah. But this seems like a new kind of epical, like, uh, contingent event. Uh, so so that, that, that was more weighty than I, than I expected. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so then we have uh, oh, real quick. I do, I do love the sort of darkness to the line. Boone was the sacrifice the island demanded. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yep. Um, so that's fun. Um, and then uh, I like the little scene of Hurley sort of dejectedly taking the dynamite. A way to hide. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then he sees the numbers on the hatch and starts screaming, don't do it, don't do it. I love, again, just like even in this incredibly tense moment, the little bit of physical comedy of of a fat guy trying to stomp out a dynamite <laughs> fuse. It's fun. It almost feels like uh, a very confident thing of the show to do, to take Hurley, who started off as this kind of side character, and really place him in the center right now. Like, he, yeah. he, he is the key, in some ways, to knowing how meaningful it is to open the hatch, you know, because yeah. he knows the numbers, uh, which, is, which is cool. Uh, iconic moment, you know, the numbers are bad, the numbers are bad. I probably say that like four or five times a year. <laughs> <laughs> Just some, I'll hear the word numbers and I'll say it to myself, you know, the numbers are bad. Um, yeah, no, fun scene. And the hatch is blown open and they peer in and we go down a deep hole. And what do you think of that as a final moment of a first season? It was, uh, I mean, the shot was very effective for sure. I, uh, yeah, I um, remember thinking that people were crazy if they actually thought we were going to get into the hatch in the finale. There was just no way they could fit it in. Yeah, there's uh, no way. There was too much story to tell before that. Um, but yeah, so that's season one. Um, I think we both have a couple of things we want to say sort of broadly, but I guess... I just want to ask you where you're at with Lost in terms of how you just sort of think about it. Are you enjoying it? And um, what are you sort of most looking forward to as we go forward? I think what I like most right now was uh, the confidence. The confidence in kind of the marriage of the light, funny, uh, sitcom-y or soap opera stuff soap opera e stuff uh mm-hmm. they have going on uh yeah they they just seem to to know what the show is in a way that is exciting reassuring it's this was a good a good stretch of episodes and uh even though there was some slack in the plot lines uh, in some ways uh the show seem to know more what it was as the season developed. So that's been cool. Uh, I've been thinking a lot. I want to eventually, you know, if we, if we ever get down to doing bonus episodes, a, ver- a really fun one uh, to my mind would be like, you know, if not for this, then no lost. Right. And we, we go back to yeah. like, you know, the things that needed to happen for lost to be a thing. And then like, you know, try our hand at, if not for lost, then we don't get this. Right. Uh, yeah. And for me, twin peaks is such an obvious one. Uh, mm-hmm. there is this, there's this great interview with David Lynch where he talks about how, uh, you know, I think I mentioned before, Twin Peaks has a central mystery that they started with and didn't know the answer to, and according to David Lynch, never planned on answering. Uh, And then famously in the second season, uh, ABC made uh, them answer it. In okay, uh, and and the show took a turn for the worse. And he talks in that interview about how it's just like. who killed Laura Palmer was the golden goose 
that kept laying eggs, you know, and they had us kill it right then and there. Uh, yeah. And so, like, losses is – it's been interesting to see them set up uh, – you know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a criticism of them to say they don't know the answers to these questions because, like, uh, frankly, I don't I don't know shit about making a mystery TV show, right? Uh, and yeah. setting up and setting up mysteries that are going to be generative and going to be interesting to kind of like answer as as a collaborative team, right? Uh, and it's been fun to see, like, by the end of this season. Like they they have a lot of golden gooses going, right? They have you have the numbers, you have the hatch, you have the monster, you have the others, you have the island itself. Uh, and they were willing to answer a few of those in this in this episode. Yeah, you get a glimpse at the monster. Uh, we at least know we're on the cusp of knowing more about the hatch. We've seen the others. Uh, so that's fun. It's it, it, it's like. They are kind of man- managing uh, what they're answering, like kind of like yep. building the bridge as they cross it. So, yeah. I think that they do a good job of that overall, and it it will be say that there's a certain thing where you'll you'll be back, you'll be in like season four or five, and you'll think like, damn, remember when we cared about X? And <laughs> so you know, mysteries get replaced, mysteries evolve, but I think that overall, Lost does a good job of of managing the mysteries and sort of. Uh, like you said, just sort of doling out answers at a pace that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what another good bonus episode would be at some point is we don't have to actually watch any of them, but just uh, a Wikipedia review of all the awful shows that Lost inspired. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the, the, the attempts to create a new Lost, none of which worked. Do any come to mind? I don't know if I'm going to know these. Uh, so there was one called Invasion. There was one called, uh, probably the most famous one, which I admit I watched most of the first season of, was called Flash Forward. That does not ring a bell. It starred Joseph Fiennes, and uh, it was based on, the, the, the big mystery was that everybody on Earth blacked out for eight minutes. And they all flashed forward to experience their life exactly like 48 days in the future or something like that. And that's the mystery. And it, right. like, it fucking sucked. <laughs> when it, I, I tried to defend it at the time. I really wanted it to be good because uh, an act, don't, don't. This could be a spoiler. All right, there was an actor in it who I really wanted to to like, and because it was sort of, uh, it was sort of promoted as a new loss, and yeah. I really fucking wanted to like it, and so I tricked myself, and I was an idiot. It sucked. It was terrible. It was garbage. <laughs> uh, had none of Lost charm. There was not a Man. single. You know, it was if Lost had no laughs. Damn, yeah, that that would be a bummer. Yeah, so, yeah, that would well, be a good guess... episode. There's there's some other ones out there too. Um, yeah, let's, anyway, let's slay slay the pretenders to the throne. Uh, yeah, that'd be a fun one. Uh, fun yeah, one. I should um, I should ask you you the same question. What how how are you feeling? What what do you think's worth talking about right now? Um, 
I'm feeling really like excited to be talking about this, to be honest with you. Like this is sort of the best parts of Lost to me are the season finales. Um a lot of people have issues with Lost series finale. We can get to that way down the road. But I always felt that Lost did season finales really well. They always were full of action. They always had a fun cliffhanger. They always teased something new. They, you know, maybe they introduced a new character like Ana Lucia. Um, uh, it was never, it was, the finales were always big events and they pretty much always delivered. And it, it just, I was really excited to talk about this one with you just because I feel like it's the first sort of like really big, like cinematic lost moment. Yeah, um, yeah. So I loved it. And I'm really, I'm really excited to go forward. The show takes a lot of weird turns in the next season. Um, there's going to be times when you feel like you're watching a totally new show. Um, so I'm excited to see how, how you feel about it going forward. Um, what do you think's in the hatch? I mean, I know you don't really like making <laughs> predictions, but yeah, this, yeah. Was, um, this, this is what everybody was doing at the time. So I want to know, what do you think's in the hatch? I think if I just had to lay it out, this was some kind of Bermuda Triangle shit. Uh, a government or secretive government agency comes across it, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, uh, tries to understand it, tries to contain it, and uh, what is in the hatch might be, I don't know, we, we might find some sort of machinery that tries to interpret something weird and uh, metaphysical about the island and spits out the numbers at the other end. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, that's a good, that's a good theory. I'm just going to say that that's a good theory. That's like a, it's a theory that takes a lot into account. Um, so I like it. Um, what else? Oh, here's, here's a little thing. Did you notice anything weird when the bird flew overhead? Um, which bird when? When they were, they were walking back from, uh, the black rock. And the bird flies overhead and it makes a very loud noise. And there's a shot of him flying away. And then Hurley goes, whoever named this place Dark Territory, genius. No, no, I didn't notice anything weird. Okay, but do you remember the scene? Kind of, kind of. Okay, uh... okay. Well, there was a theory at the time that that bird was saying Hurley. <laughs> uh can you slow it down and does it sound like Hurley? I mean, is uh, I mean, you don't even really need to slow it down. Just go back and listen to it with intent. It it kind of sounds like Hurley, not really. Hurley. <laughs> um go back and go back and watch that scene. Um Okay. So that became a big thing and I'm only it's not important to the story or anything when I'm bringing that up because you will be rewarded for knowing that at some point. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to. And uh, and I will I will explain further then. Uh, yeah, so whenever we talk again, it'll be in season two. And we'll be talking about episode one called Man of Science, Man of Faith.
<laughs> All right. There you go. And it, it, it it's a Jack-centric episode, so get ready for that. Stating our terms outright. We'll see you on the other side, folks. Yep. Uh, okay. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one.